Beginner's call. This is your beginner's call. Will all show beginners please make their way to the studio? Tonight's performance of Overstudies is about to begin. This is the Overstudies podcast, and we are a massive deal. We are a massive deal. We will grind you to sand between our actual Louboutin heels. Yeah. You actually do own a pair, so this, I think, is the perfect way to start an episode about the cinematic event of the year. Yeah. You know what? <laughs> I'm yeah. being completely serious when I say that, that I don't think we need to bother with cinema for the rest of 2024 because the Mean Girls, the musical, the movie has achieved it. I am obsessed with this film. It is potentially the campest thing that I've seen on screen in a long time. I am just a little bit obsessed with Renee Rapp. It's her world and we are literally just living in it. And I kind of want to thank her for that. Yes, thank you. Thank you for allowing us into your world. <laughs> thank for... you for allowing us to breathe air at the same time as you. <laughs> yes, 100%. In all seriousness, this is the Other Studies podcast. And it wouldn't be us if we didn't do an episode on a teen musical that was based on a teen film that is now a teen musical film once again. We're going to be starting off a whole new averse with this one, which is the Mean Girls averse. <laughs> Doesn't have the same <laughs> ring to it, I'm afraid. But we'll think, we'll the, workshop that. We'll think of a different name. The Reginaverse. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that one quite works either, to be honest. But we'll workshop that. We'll, we'll, work we'll keep it going. Yeah. For those of you who are new to Overstudies, I'm Becky. And my name is Charlie and I am a massive deal. When you decide that you feel like it. <laughs> I'm always a massive deal. <laughs> we are just two musical theatre fans um, who talk about all things theatre and theatre adjacent. And I guess that now includes more movies. I do love it when we get the chance to do a movie musical episode because it doesn't happen very often. It doesn't happen very often because you take too long to watch things, which I was surprised I managed to get you in the cinemas to watch Mean Girls the day it literally came out. Bestie, you thought it came out a week later and I was the one who said we're going on the 17th. This is non-negotiable. So let's not start. <laughs> let's not start that one. I wanted to see it before you did. I just didn't. I also thought there are many things happening in January that I thought were happening a week later. To be fair, I January apparently is just a, a very, very long and confusing month for me for some bizarre reason. Just as long as you remember the most important date in January. The 17th of January when Mean Girls came out. <laughs> <laughs> no, the day before. The 16th of January. Still wait for the rest of my present. Yeah, I know, me too. <laughs> <laughs> um... Anyway, if you have just joined in for the first time, welcome. Yes, we are always like this. If you want to get in touch with your thoughts, feedback and comments, you can go to... You can find us on Instagram and threads at Overstudies blog. You can go on Blue Sky. We are overstudies.co.uk. You can also find us on the World Wide Web, www.overstudies.co.uk. And if you want to be a little bit more old school, you can email us stage at overstudies.co.uk. 
we always do genuinely love hearing your thoughts about the episodes and particularly this one. I know that the Mean Girls movie has been a little controversial and a little bit divisive. So if you disagree with anything that we say... You're wrong. Yeah, you are wrong because I have a literal degree in films. But genuinely, I would love to chat to people about this and see if everyone else has taken the same thing away that we have. Because even we have had different opinions. I will hear very little wrong about this musical, but it doesn't mean that it's perfect. Oh, no. In many ways, Mean Girls was never going to be perfect. I don't need it to be perfect, though. It's a camp good time. It just needs to be fun. And I see Mean Girls in the same category as I see Heather's. In that Heather's is actually a very good show. It's the first reference of the season. Oh, my God. Shocker. Heather's is a very good show but is also a very silly show. Yeah. And I think Mean Girls, the movie, is very silly and that's what makes it good. It's not good and silly, it's good because it's silly. No, I could agree with that. I, and I think that's right. And I think that is one of the things I really like about it is that it doesn't take itself too seriously. I think they could have come in and gone, you know, big budget film, some big names attached to it. We could be very serious with this and it is very unserious and I adore that to be quite honest. Yeah, same. I think if we'd have taken it too seriously, it would have actually alienated a lot of its target market. Completely. So before we go into more about the, the musical, let's rewind a little bit and tell us kind of the story of Mean Girls stroke Mean Girls the musical up to this point. Well, Mean Girls started out as a film in 2004 which I was too young to see in the cinema when it first came out, fun fact. Um, but that's how old and how long this kind of story has been around for. Um, we get to meet Katie, who has moved from living in Kenya. She's been living with her mum, who has been working in animal research, and she moves into mainstream education in America for the first time in her life. and is very unsure about what's going on. She doesn't really get the conventions of a regular high school. And she's taken under her wing initially by um, two other slightly more eccentric outcasts who are Janice and Damien. And they try to teach her the ways of American high school. But as in doing that, kind of she ends up taken in by a second group, which are the Plastics, who are quite literally the mean girls of the school. And there's a bit of a clash of interests there because Janice and Damien hate Regina, who is the leader of the Plastics, and want to essentially ruin her life. And the rest of the film is the consequences of those actions, shall we say. Yeah, I think that's a very good summary. Um, and you watched this, you might have been too young to see it in the cinema, but you did watch it at quite a young age, didn't I you? I watched this at 10 years old, specifically. I remember vividly the first day that I watched mm. Mean Girls. I was at a sleepover and my friend's mum had rented it for us because we were too young to see it in the cinema. And I think that it was a very formative film of my youth. 
I, as with many other people in their 30s, in their late 20s, growing up with this film was, it's a pop culture phenomenon. And then there's me. Yeah, but you, you, you've, there's a lot of things you've not seen that are pop culture phenomenons, bestie. I know, I don't, I, I shun pop culture. I reject it and I, I create my own traditions. But Mean Girls is, it. I was shocked that you had never seen the original film until last year. I saw it last year over the summer and yeah, first time I'd ever seen it. And it was, it was not the best thing I've ever seen, but it's not the worst thing I've ever seen. It was, it was a fun teen film. Tying it into the original film. This is why Mean Girls, the musical, it's not technically its full correct title, but for the sake of differentiation, we will go with it. Mean Girls, the musical, because the original film was so unserious, if it had started to take itself seriously in 2024, it wouldn't have worked. And I think looking back on how unserious the original is, kind of sets the tone for what you're going to expect yeah and i i think this is something that i really enjoyed like as i say the the original film coming to it in your 30s is an experience i think we'll say yeah but i could still relate to it and i can still understand why it's popular and you know i've i have grown up with and heard references to it and all, and all that kind of thing but then also then having the benefit of only having seen Mean Girls once, but it also being quite still fresh in my memory mm. and going in to see the new movie, I think is I they've done a fantastic job of keeping what the original is about whilst also making it relevant to a 2024 audience, which I think can sometimes be a challenge for media in general from the late 90s and early noughties. Yeah, absolutely. And we won't delve too much into kind of the history of the musical itself because the musical is actually opening in the West End in summer 2024 and we want to save that conversation for a, a Mean Girls versus Mean Girls versus Mean Girls triple threat. I can't <laughs> I can't wait for that. It's going to be a great episode. That'll be all, all coming in the future. What we will say though is that neither of us have seen the Broadway stage version of Mean Girls the musical. Becky has listened to all of the soundtrack, most of the soundtrack. Most of the soundtrack. I have listened to one song from the soundtrack. So I went into the film very blind. Yes. And I think that has worked quite well for us because we didn't have expectations of how this was going to play out. Yeah. In terms of the musical, I had expectations in terms of the film but also knew and recognised that actually there are parts of the film that are better left in 2004 and was looking forward to a, a fresh new take on it and to actively want it to be different. I didn't want a carbon copy with songs and I think this is why it has worked so well for me in particular. Yeah, I definitely think... Um... That, that's a very fair point there. And I think that's something as well. You, you know, I say a lot on this podcast, I like to go into things with as little knowledge as possible because then you can actually appreciate and see everything in the way that they're intended. And I do think it has been unfair to see quite a bit of criticism, which will no doubt come on to about the film, the, the new film, 
based on people of having heard the cast recording of a show that was put on quite a long time ago now as well. And I just think that there's a, a an interesting duality there between expectations. And we both went into it knowing relatively little and have come out broadly on the same page and that we had a great time and this is fantastic. So I, I do think like, as always, nothing is quite as clear cut as it might first seem. And you have to take each individual installment as it, as it were, um, as it comes. In the same way that you would approach a revival with a fresh pair of eyes, I think yeah. that this is how we should be approaching this film as if it is a revival of the show while also taking into account that this is a film and a film where is fundamentally different from a stage show. But I also think as well, like you say, that the point about it being a revival is a great point. And then leaping off that, let's not forget the stage show was a while ago. It's been a while since it's been staged anywhere and it's been reworkshopping before moving into London. So if we're going to start judging the film by the Broadway show, then we also need to be judging the West End show by the Broadway show, which we know won't happen. We'll definitely revisit that point when we do our future episode, because I think it will be fascinating to see which elements of the film are continued into the stage show. Absolutely. Because the good thing about Mean Girls, the musical, the movie, <laughs> is that it has kept largely the entire original creative team from production to writers to literally the composers are responsible for the reworking of some of the songs. So I think that that in itself puts it in such a positive light because you have a team that clearly cares so much and are so passionate about this story that they want to have that control over how it is developed. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think that really shows as well is like I say, even if someone who's relatively new into the world of the Mean Girls, there are so many similarities between the original film and the movie musical that are good similarities. Like it's very easy to do a remake and fall into like copying an iconic shot or whatever, but it's a, if it's a remake with like different teams or a remake without kind of the right ethos behind it, it just ends up looking a bit silly or a bit gimmicky. Whereas with Mean Girls, there are some pretty much shot for shot remakes and they are fantastic because they've been done. They're a creative choice to keep those shots in, but they've been done in homage by the same team as the original ones. And I think there's a lot to be said for that. Absolutely. So when we saw the film on opening night one of us wore pink and one of us did not i'll let you guess who one of us had had a very long day at work and just wanted to turn up in her leggings and a jumper and there's nothing wrong with that but on wednesdays we wear pink i don't own anything pink true i'll allow it i am the janice of this friendship group no you're the karen of this friendship group yeah, I will. I will agree with that. I'm Regina. You're Karen, which I guess makes your friend Shah. Shout out to Shah. Um, Gretchen. I'll discuss that with her later. <laughs> um, I'm sure she'll either love or hate that. I'm not quite sure yet. Anyway, moving speaking on. of things that we loved, yes. I think we should really split this episode into the things that worked and the things that didn't. 
Yes. And I think that ultimately we have more things that worked than didn't work. Yeah. So for me, my, we've kind of touched on it already, but my main thing is that this film does not take itself seriously in the slightest and isn't afraid to be dumb. Like it is just fun. It's not trying to do anything more with the source material than it needs to. And I respect that. Yeah, I think it's really great how with like updating the the movie and making it relevant to a 2024 audience, they've actually really honed in on the just being a little bit dumb and a little bit silly by also using social media to help do that. And some of the editing and cinematography to like make it feel like this is being done as a vlog or whatever has worked really well. And I think helps to keep it feel fresh whilst also keeping those um references to the original and keeping it fun because i think that's the interesting part about this is that when the original film came out social media wasn't a thing you know blogs and the internet existed but social media as we know it today didn't exist and i think that it's so difficult to update something and update it well across generations that's one of the interesting things about Mean Girls as a concept is 2004 was before phones, but well, before smartphones mm. and even before a lot of phones had like mobile internet on them. And so the concept of like a burn book of a physical book that you go around to each other's house and fill in like makes a lot of sense because that was what people did. But then kind of doing something like that in 2024, I think there was a lot of trepidation about would this actually still work and would the mean girls even just being mean still work mm. but actually it it really does and bringing in those like elements of social media by sharing stuff and even um the way that they kind of work in there the fact that people kind of do stuff for social media or that what you see on social media might not necessarily be the entire reality still works within the notion of what the mean girls of what all of the characters are about yeah, I agree. And I think the challenge is getting that and making it make sense to the OG fans who were there in 2004, but also to new audiences who probably weren't even born when the film came out. Like this has successfully managed to integrate social media in a way that I don't think I've seen many other films or TV shows do and do it so it feels natural. I think my only reference point that I can compare it to, which is a bit of a rogue one, but just bear with me on this, the Gossip Girl reboot. I've not there uh, yet. It's spoiler free, I promise, but the Gossip Girl reboot does this also in a very similar way in that you've taken blog culture and turned it into social media culture. But the difference with Gossip Girl is it doesn't feel cross-generational. Whereas Mean Girls, if you're a young millennial, shall we say, you understand how social media works and you grew up with social media. But if you were also, say, my parents' age, so in your 60s, you understand how social media works and how people can use it to be cruel. If you are 16 years old, for example, You've only known a world with social media, but you also can see 
the positives and negatives of it. Like, I think it doesn't feel like it's a film made for a TikTok generation. It is, but it doesn't feel like it. And I think that's such a fine line to walk and get it done well without really alienating any anyone. I think where it really helps with that is some of the nostalgia impact and the fact that it is clearly the creatives, as I was saying, have leaned in and gone, we don't just want to do a shot for shot remake. We want to respect the history of the original, but also we do want to make it like keep those iconic moments in. And I I think I really like that because you've got a lot of identical shots. And I mean like identical frame for frame shots in some cases that are so well suited to the modern one and let the young generation have that almost wow factor the first time they see them and the first time that they experience them. But then also if you are old like us, you can still have a familiarity of the original one and it doesn't feel um it doesn't feel forced and it it feels very cozy, I think. Like it's an old friend who you've not seen for a long time and they've dyed their hair and they've got a new style and something like that like but it's still the old friend yeah i think that's the best way to describe it and i think that this comes through for me in a very very rogue way but something that has been criticized quite a lot has been for example the costume choices and the way that the plastics are styled versus how they're styled in the original film um and first of all i'm saying it's been 20 years fashion has changed or circled back to the early noughties more likely but the attention to detail in costuming you have tina fey coming back to play miss norbury wearing literally the same blouse that she wears in the original film I've checked. Um, But then you also have a 2024 version of Regina's wardrobe, which is a lot more masculine than it used to be in the sense, literally in the sense that she wears a lot more trousers than skirts. But when we look back at the original wardrobe for Regina, her color palette was always a lot more masculine than the other plastic she wears a lot of white and she wears a lot of black she doesn't wear a lot of color only when she wears pink it's very rare that you see her in anything that isn't leather or that isn't a block color and those little details taking it that's the same concept it's just with a a younger fresher lens to it feels so familiar and comforting because it's taken the clever bits but just modernize them and i think you had to do that though because if you had just put in regina in identical outfits that you straight away you're going to lose the tiktok generation and it's going to just be a nostalgia drive for us oldies and then you're never going to get any commercial success and it's a waste of time yeah pretty much like fun- fundamentally um but yeah i really like the costume and i think there's some very clever bits going on with it And there is all of those homages to the original whilst, like you say, keeping it nice and fresh and also then updating it as well. And um, even arguably in some respects, it's a bit more grown up in some of what it's doing in that at face value, it's still what it needs to be. 
But if you want to delve down and start looking into things with more of a critical eye, actually you can do. And there's a little bit more there for like stimulation beyond just just there. And it shows as well how the creators themselves have matured. Yeah, because I would say that this iteration of Mean Girls has fixed, I'm not going to say every problem with the original, but it has fixed all the problems that the Broadway version was either not able to or was too scared to fix. Things like removing pretty much every instance of racism or potential stereotypes from the book of the film. Even the smallest instances have been changed and that I actually think it's it's overdue and should have been done with the Broadway version, but because I've not seen the full production, I can't fully comment on that. And it's also removed a lot of the homophobia in the sense that it's removed the slurs that were still very prominent in the Broadway cast recording that actually don't need to be there. I think that is very commendable and it's it may be too little too late in some aspects, but it may also be you know, it's, it's, it's an example that you can learn and you can change things and nothing's ever done. As we've said before on this podcast, I don't think it's ever too late to actually take accountability and move on and, and fix things that are wrong. And that's, I know, something that actually we both are, are fairly there is like, yes, it could have come sooner, but it's not too late, if that yeah. makes sense. And I've seen a lot of criticism online about the film where People are saying, oh, you know, Mean Girls has lost its bite and that they're not really mean anymore. And when you delve into this, it is generally being written by middle-aged people, generally white men, who are saying it hasn't got its bite anymore because they've removed the slurs or the negative reception. It's like, well, no, actually, the things it's saying, the bits where the, the plastics are being mean is still there. It's just now being done in a different language that isn't actually going to properly hurt and like you can still feel hurt by some of the comments made by uh, made about Janice for instance like they're not nice but that and and that is also a fact of life and then and very integral to the story absolutely but you can do it in such a way where you're not actually attacking your audience members or people who are watching it or just being actually not nice about people and i think you can you have to always be careful and have a responsibility towards your audience to protect them while still getting across that maybe you're meant to feel a little bit uncomfortable about this. And whereas before a lot of the slurs used were kind of in everyday language in the, the 2000s, mm. again, as we've touched on before, um, as a society, we, we are very acknowledged that that's not the case anymore. And we should be moving on. And even like the TikTok generation, there are a lot of young people out there who will be not particularly nice about a characteristic or whatever, but they also don't do it in the same way that we, our generation did it with slurs, if that makes sense. Mm. And I think it's nice that Mean Girls has, as you say, got rid of a lot of that and fixed it where you can still see them being mean, but it's not actually harm harming. Yeah. I think it's more tactical than explicit in its nastiness. And I think that it's not just hitting at the lowest hanging fruit. Yeah, completely. It is much more now like let's almost be mean about everybody and to everybody, regardless of, of who you are. Like it's much more generalized rather than picking on 
a stereotype or, or a minority. And I think that's also much more relevant to reality. Like there were, I remember when I was at school, there was the group of girls that could be equivalented with the mean girls. They were just mean to everybody. It wasn't about who you are or like, you know, anything like that. They were just mean. Mm. And it's, it's nice to kind of see the plastics get rebased to that. Because I think that theme about people being mean for the sake of being mean hasn't lost relevancy in 2024 compared to 2004. And I think that it is that, that's, you know, people just aren't targeting people. They're targeting their personalities, which yeah. I think is the, the-, the theme of this version of Mean Girls. It's like based on, it's not based on what you look like. It's not based on who you are. It's based on you, like how you present your personality to the world in a way, which is not necessarily good or bad, but that's, it feels tactical. It's, it's clashes based on personality clashes and it's clashes based on liking a boy or whatever. Like it's, it's much more human Mm. um, and much more relevant to an extent, but also just that is, that happens in all walks of life. And I think that's why it is very relevant to different generations as well is like i'm sure all of us have got that one person who we work with who we don't get on with like you know we don't dislike them as such we just our personalities aren't compatible and you don't get on and you'd have to be mean about them but and you shouldn't be mean about them we'll be very clear on that but like that especially when you're a teenager you don't have always that worldly sense and it's okay to not get on with everyone I guess is the point. Yeah. As long as it's on merit rather than because of a characteristic that they have no control over. Exactly. One criticism I want to make the film, I know we've done a nice thing, but I'm going to get my criticism because it is, I think the film's biggest criticism for me is whilst on the one hand, it's very unapologetic about what it's trying to do in terms of an homage to the original and all that kind of thing. It needs to actually not be scared to call itself a musical. Yeah. Because while on the one hand it it is unapologetic in its production and inclusion of songs. Yes. It's also not quite committed either way if it's going to be it's not sure what type of musical it is. I think is the the description. Yeah, I think that's fair. It's there are, and we'll we'll come back to the music and the songs in in particular in a moment. Um, but there are quite a few cuts made from the Broadway version, and quite a few songs that don't appear. But there is still a substantial number of songs. Like I've seen things that sell themselves as movie, movie musicals with fewer, mm. and they are nicely paced throughout the film that you does feel like a musical. So why does not a single one of these appear in any of the trailers or any of the promotion? And why is it? very clear like it is at the movie musical end of the spectrum not the movie with music yeah so why are we not calling ourselves and celebrating the fact that we are a movie musical and i get some of the logic and the arguments behind well you know we don't want to pigeonhole ourselves too much because then we're going to narrow our audience people aren't going to see it fine but i think there's too much music and songs that actually you're going to go away with people being more annoyed that they've been duped into seeing a musical than if you just told them in the first place. Because let's be honest, anyone who says they don't like musical theatre, you can't trust them and they're wrong anyway. Like you don't want their money. 
no one is too proud for musical theatre. I think the interesting thing for me is that we've clearly seen Mean Girls be released in into an environment where movie musicals have tanked in the box office. Not because they were bad, but just because they came out at the wrong time. We look at, you know, films that have come out in the past couple of years that actually potentially had a lot of merit to them, but just probably wrong timing. Dear Evan Hansen, I've not watched it, but maybe had that come out pre-pandemic, it might have had a bit more traction to it. In the Heights didn't particularly do very well at the box office in the grand scheme of movie musicals, but is one of the best films I've ever seen. Again, both came out just after the pandemic. Things were starting to open up. They'd already been pushed back a year. I understand the reservations and hesitations in pushing the musical aspect of it, but also I think that, you know, when you have a trailer that is using Olivia Rodrigo as the main grip of music, whose song then does not feature once in the actual film. There's some disconnect there. And I know so many people who were nervous to see the musical film because they were not committing to showing the musical elements of it in the trailer. I had friends who were scared that it was going to be bad, even though they wanted to see it, knowing it was a musical. They were like, why are you not committing? Why are you not demonstrating why this could be good to me? Because I don't want another remake. And I think that's that's the thing as well, is like, this isn't a remake. As much as there are elements that are remade, it is not a remake. And... Yeah, like you're absolutely right. I will hear no slander against Olivia Rodrigo ever, but she is irrelevant to Mean Girls. Like, I love you, babes, but you're irrelevant. This is nothing to do with you. We don't need your music selling this. We have got one of the biggest up and coming names in the music industry at the moment, starring as the lead character who has played the role on Broadway. Why are we not buying into that more and why are we not using one of her songs to sell the trailer when especially when there's literally one of her songs on the album sadly this the marketing for this film has failed but i also think that we could still potentially be a turning point in musical theater movies because of this because i think that while there are people going and seeing it and going, oh my God, why are they singing? Um, there's also a lot of people who were going to be pleasantly surprised by that. And I think like, I think a rogue comparison, compare it to something like Chicago, completely changed how people perceived mm. movie musicals. I'm not saying that Mean Girls is the next Chicago. It's most certainly never going to win Best Picture at the Oscars. I love you all, but genuinely that's never going to happen. But I can see this changing popular public perception with younger audiences in particular. And I think that that's quite exciting, but I just want them to lean into it a bit more. I think this is it. And I think there is a fine balance between avoiding any reference to being a musical and going too hard in on the musical. When we saw it on opening night, there were clearly quite a few people in there who had no idea it was a musical. 
but actually all of them from the the general vibe of the room would at first a little bit like oh okay interesting what's this but then by the end of it we're like no i get it and this makes a lot of sense and i think there are some that, that there's some numbers that perhaps are not the best but there's equally some absolutely fantastic songs in there that are excellent on merit for their musicality and and their their music theory that obviously we as always we know nothing about so just you can have <laughs> the words but then equally there are some fantastic musical theater songs in there um and they work really well together and i think you're absolutely right when you say this is going to be this has all the potential for a resurgence in popularity of the genre especially with young people because when you've got some massive names doing a silly little show ultimately on the big screen but it being so well executed and having all of those little elements coming together, this shows what a music movie musical can be when it isn't afraid to be a movie musical. It just needs to fully lean into that. It needs to be unafraid across the entire spectrum, not just in the film itself. If you're going to do a song like the one at the Halloween party um, called Sexy, like if you're going to do something like that on the big screen with how that's done, call yourself a musical lean into it because that is an empty number if i ever saw one and it's fantastic it really is speaking of the music i think it's time that we dived into some of our favorite moments because i genuinely think i saw one of the strongest pieces of cinematography that i've ever seen in this film and i will say that with i will lay my degree on that statement Bold statement. Bold statement. Bold statement. Which bit was it? So specifically um, during, just after the Halloween number, so someone gets hurt. It has a very beautiful approach to that number where we have Regina and Aaron still circulating the Halloween party, but everyone else is in a freeze frame and it's dark and it's eerie and it's edgy. But then just the lighting choices and the use of the color green specifically just makes the every single shot look stunning. It looks incredible. I cannot wait for this to circulate online or be readily available somewhere so I can just watch it all the time. But then just how every scene is shot combined with the simplest choreography that you can imagine it takes what is a solo number and turns it into an ensemble piece without it feeling like an ensemble piece we have this choreo of people shaking like skeletons and pulsating around regina like she's like the heart and the life force of the party and it's just so clever and such a beautiful way to turn something that actually adds very little to the narrative into one of the best moments in the entire film. I, I would, my jaw was on the floor. I think there are so many great numbers and moments like this. The cinematography for me, I know we're, we're talking about music, but as far as the cinematography across the board goes, every single shot has been considered and, and, done very very well there are some beautiful long shots throughout the show and i am a massive fan of the long shot 
and you can tell that they're ones where we've, we've gone, oh, let's let's have somebody walk in front of the camera here or like give ourselves an opportunity to cut it there. And when this clearly hasn't happened as well, you can also be like, everyone else wanted to, to make this happen. And it's so clear that so many people are so invested in there. And yeah, I think, like you say, um, that moment in someone gets hurt is just a, a very powerful and poignant moment that really sums up the part of the show that we're in as well. I think the film gets to play with form when the musical numbers are on. Yeah. That's when it has its fun. And we look at a piece like Revenge Party, which is a through and through a musical theatre number. There is no way that you could turn that into a cute little popsy number that might go viral on TikTok. It's camp. It's silly. And that's when we get to have more fun. We get bold colours. We get excitement. We get big dance numbers that are referenced later in the film because the characters break the fourth wall it is astonishing how good it is and when it is good this film is absolutely brilliant and it is just as the the fun with form that it has with that and with the music is just why i think that it works so well I think it's something similar with like Apex Predator, which is the only song that I'd heard of before um, seeing the movie and completely different, very different from the stage orchestrations. But it's the same kind of thing where we're sat in the uh, cafeteria and then we start to turn everyone into animals. And I just think it's, again, it's very cleverly put together as an almost like dream sequence style mm. thing in a way that it would be very hard to to make that make sense in a film if you didn't have fun with it and if you didn't make it a little bit weird and i just think there's a lot of creative cleverness has gone into this of how can we make this work for the big screen while still keeping the basic premise of the musical and the basic premise of the original film mm. because they are all different bodies of work as yeah. they should be i absolutely agree with you what are your favorite moments uh, sexy I just, <laughs> just the whole I just, number. The whole number I just think is so ridiculous, but also clever. And the way that it's done around the party um, and like having people get ready and, and again, like really leaning into the TikTok generation. I was just uh, in a heap on the floor in hysterics, to be honest, by the end of it. I think the funny thing about that number for me is that that feels like the one that's been rewritten for the big screen. But actually, no, that's just what it sounds like. It has that energy to it. and. I think that's why it works better that other songs have been reworked because now it feels coherent. Whereas before it, it works in the, the cast recording, but you just think, oh, whiplash, like this is a bit of a vibe change, but being able to have fun with the other songs and be silly with the other songs, it doesn't feel out of place. Yeah. And I'm just so glad that they kept that in because I was genuinely thinking that might be one that gets the chop if they had to cut anything just because it is so, it adds, it doesn't add anything to the narrative. <laughs> like it doesn't do anything <laughs> other you, than get give Karen a chance to say her iconic line. The, all I'm saying is that the show wouldn't be the same without sexy corn. <laughs> what about sexy sharks? Sexy cancer. <laughs> Maybe not. 
<laughs> That's not right, is it? <laughs> I, but this is it, though. It was just, it was so, as someone who'd come into the musical completely fresh, but also didn't know the film that well, like I'd completely kind of forgotten about the Halloween sequence and all of these iconic lines. And I was just sat there like, have I gone through the looking glass? Like, have I, have I zoned out? Am I having an out of body experience? Because it's just so ridiculous, but it works. And that's, I think that's one of the great things about it. Um, I also loved, um, cautionary tale and the way that I get set up right at the beginning, mm. very clever, very good, great opportunity for Ali Cravalho to actually like introduce the show. This woman can do no wrong. Cast and her as Veronica in Heather's now, please. When we get the Heather's <laughs> film adaptation, like would slay it. Um, but like, I, I adore Moana. It's one of my favorite films. So it's really nice to see Ali on the big screen again mm. as herself. Yeah. And with a slightly more mature sound as well. And I think her characterization of Janice captures the essence of what that's about. So yeah, definitely. And like same with Apex Predator, I think is another very interesting restaging of of the track and and again the reorchestration fits in with the rest of the show like i really like what they've done with it i know not it's not for everyone but i really like the the new version i think it fits in well with what the film is trying to achieve yeah i agree i think it took me a while to adjust to that version because it's taken away my sexy guitars that i like but it wouldn't be the same as a whole piece of work if you had one that was very different. From what I've heard, both from yourself and from other people, is that the soundtrack as a whole sounds much more cohesive now for mm. the film, whereas for the Broadway production originally, it didn't always gel perfectly. And I don't know because I've not listened to it, but it, mm. I think it's going to be interesting to see where that goes forwards. Not that we're talking about the future, but that is going to be interesting to see what might happen and what influences are kept for the West End production. I agree. And I think I'm going to save my discussion about the themes and sounds that each character get because I want to see how that develops more. I'm very excited to see how that develops and to see if those themes get stronger or if they get chopped to be quite honest. <laughs> it's going to be very interesting. And I think, uh, as we say, this definitely isn't the last time we will be discussing Mean Girls here on the Overstudies podcast. Absolutely. Anything else that you want to talk to us about? Uh, to be honest, I think we've covered most of it. Apart from, once again, it's Renee Rapp's world and we are just living in it. Honestly, like, so good. Uh, you've been trying to get me into Renee Rapp for a while. And I'm going to out myself here and I don't really care because because it is Renee Rapp's world and I am now living in it. Um, incredible. Just incredible. I think the whole cast is flawless. I think every single person in that film knows their character, has done their research, has taken the time to think, why is this character so iconic? And why has this character resonated with people for 20 years? What can I do to embody that in film? Everyone has done a fantastic job. And I think you can tell Renee Rapp has played the role before, but that doesn't mean that she stands out too much in that sense. Like she's incredible and 
knows when to let other people shine. She stands out because Regina has to stand out. Yeah. But actually, it is very much everyone on in that company is on the same page mm. of what they're trying to achieve and what they're trying to do. And I I can't think of a single bit of the casting that isn't completely flawless. Even Lindsay Lohan popping up. Oh my god, spoiler. It's already spoiled, it's everywhere. <laughs> you should have seen it when it opened if you didn't like that. But like even little things like that and um, you know, getting back to the original company as well, like it makes such a big difference in the vision and the ideas behind a film. And I take my hat off if I was wearing one. If you had to give it a ranking, what would we give it? Are we going like theatre style ranking or are we going like Empire style ranking? Do you are mean we, film are, or theatre? Yeah, are we giving it a film style ranking? I'm or... giving it two. As a film and as a cinematic oh, experience. Yeah, okay. You go first. So I would say as a musical theatre film, I would give it four stars because it's not quite tick, tick, boom, which actually is like my... The gold standard. The gold standard. I would even... I, but I do, and this is bold, I put it on the same level as, as West Side Story, which will anger a lot of people. But West Side Story is no better than Mean Girls. I will wit- await my angry messages that will probably come through because of that. Where do you put it in relation to In the Heights? Four stars. They're all four stars. No, actually. Mm, changed my mind. Oh, West Side Story is three stars compared to In the Heights. So Mean Girls is better than West Side Story. Yeah. Wow. I'm going to regret saying that. I might change my mind. Send your complaints to Becky's address, which I won't dock, so I'm not that mean. Um, as a musical theatre film, what would you give this? Four stars. Easy. Okay. Easy four as a musical theatre film, because I think and it, the main reason it loses a star is because it isn't proud enough to be a musical theatre film. For me, it is up there. It is up there. It isn't Tick, Tick, Boom. But it is fantastic. Mm. Where would you put it above West Side Story? <laughs> I wouldn't. I'd put it below West Side Story, but only just. And okay. I think, and the key difference is that West Side Story made me cry. No fair. I would say this is better than Matilda, the movie, the musical. Bold. Not seen Cats, but I imagine it's better than Cats 2019. Cats is an experience beyond the cinema i think <laughs> i would say i would say that mean girls the movie the musical is better than the lamez film yeah of course it is i'm just making sure that everyone's aware mainly mainly because and as much as i applaud lamez for trying to do this mean girls is better because it uses a stereo a, a studio recorded soundtrack but they've got the dubbing spot on mm. And then second ranking, as a cinematic experience, what would you give it? Five stars. Five stars. Same. Five stars because Excellent. I wore pink and many other people <laughs> wearing pink, but not you. Again, I don't own anything pink. You should have got something. But no, I genuinely, I think as a cinematic experience, it was five stars because I went in there with, I went in there with no expectations. I'll be completely honest. I was just like, I'm excited to see this because I love a musical and I'm excited to see every musical. But I wasn't expecting anything at all and i came out we were just we just sat for a few minutes after the end of it as the credits were going we just i think we both just needed a few moments to just process what we'd seen and we both just had like the biggest smiles on our face because it's silly and it's goofy but it's fun and we need more of that i just enjoyed how everyone 
did end up embracing the fact that it was a musical and everyone laughed and I miss going to the cinema and people laughing because people don't do it anymore. And I also go to see films where there's just like me in the screen. <laughs> people laughed, but also certainly when we saw it together, I, there was very little like phone use and stuff as well, comparatively mm. to when the last film we saw together, like everyone who was there seemed to want to be there. And I think that says a lot as well about like modern cinema in general and modern audiences. And if you get something that actually does connect the audience, that in itself has to be seen as a, as a fantastic thing. So that's Mean Girls, the movie, the musical. It's very high school musical, the musical, the series really, isn't it? Yeah, but at least that had something to do with Olivia Rodrigo. Not everything can be that perfect, unfortunately. <laughs> if you have also been seeing Mean Girls, genuinely get in touch. Let us know what you think, because I could talk about this all day. I'm this close to going back to uni so i can write a dissertation on it i am not even joking just do a solo podcast <laughs> just be like me unpacking every detail of mean girls in excruciating detail you could just write the dissertation anyway and post it on like reddit or that website that we own which is www.overstudies.co.uk and we could then share it to our instagram which is overstudies blog and also our threads which is also overstudies blog <laughs> And if you're new and down with the kids, we are on Blue Sky overstudies.co.uk. Yes. If you also want to chat to either of us directly about Mean Girls, you are more than welcome to. You can find me on Instagram at Bexky. You can find me on Instagram at Being Jarly. If you are listening on Spotify, though, you can answer our question of the week, which is Who is your favourite member of the plastics? Regina. It wasn't a question for you, <laughs> but thank you for contributing anyway. <laughs> I just wanted to feel included. That's fine. Um, sorry to everyone not listening on Spotify because that option is not available, but you can send us a message anyway and let us know. We'll probably stick a poll on our Instagram as well, to be yeah. fair, so you can answer it there. Um, in the meantime as well, wherever you get your podcast, please do like and subscribe. You will be the first to find out what our new episode is. We are releasing them slightly earlier for subscribers. Yes, we are. You'll get a cheeky little notification, maybe. Um, and of course, please do leave us a rating and share us to all of your friends as well, because it all helps to bring more people into the Overstudies universe, because who wouldn't want this chaos in their life? We have got a incredible series coming up. Obviously, we're only two episodes in now to season four of the podcast. Do stick with us, because there are some great things coming up in the rest of this season. Yes, I cannot wait to share them. But for now... It's bye from me, Becky. It's bye from me, Charlie. And we'll see you next time. Bye.